Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, sir. Uh, awesome new Gravedigger tea and wall art now in, in the Bad Magic Store this week. Great. Creepy skeleton, disturbed shallow grave, uh, very cool, interesting, uh, realistic graphic tea. Uh-huh. And available also in a jumbo 30 by 40 inch frame canvas for those who want some of uh, Logan's art on their walls. He is so talented. It is cool mm-hmm. as standalone he art. He is. Yeah, I, I love the things he is pumping out. So mm-hmm. uh, badmagicmerch.com for that. And then forgot a couple quick announcements, different kind of announcements. Uh, forgot to mention a while back that Lindsay and I got to tour the Salt Lake City headquarters of Black Rifle Coffee. So cool. Yeah, anyone who's watched uh, the show for any length of time knows that I love like a good graphic tee. You know, <laughs> Dan lives in graphic tees. I've tried, but I Ever can't get them away from Ever since I was a teenager. And, and I just, I love the artwork. I, I mean, I also, you know, have always uh, just really loved and admired people who can do like graphic novels, like that kind of artwork. Yeah, it's a very I mean, specific kind. Yeah, the art behind us on the wall here for the show. Yeah. I just really, really love it. And we got to see Black Rifle staff and get a sneak peek, like their art staff. Oh, it's so cool. Of, yeah, their upcoming designs. And they seem to have such a happy group of artists there. I know. They were like very into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some things that were top secret that we got to see, you know, like upcoming designs. Yep. But it was all storyboard. I mean, they really take it seriously as if they were making an actual comic book. Well, and they work with artists who also work in like the, you know, in comic books and stuff like that mm-hmm. too. And it's just um, very cool. And we got to meet the, a lot of the employees and the founder, Evan Hafer. I love him. He, uh, such a similar vibe where he is the same age as me. Mm-hmm. We graduated high school the same year, two hours apart in Idaho. Dads were both loggers mm-hmm. when we were young and like li- lived very similar, like eerily like similar lives mm-hmm. and two of his good friends from high school one of them ended up being my roommate in uh, the year after college CP, a, CP right? good yeah. buddy of mine in college and then this other guy but he knew as Woody Brett Woodland was one of his best buddies um, growing up mm-hmm. like and Evan like invested in his restaurants and Moscow Idaho but just so many weird connections yeah I like that always that six degrees of separation yeah this was like one degree right right 
Yeah, yeah. And so, um, they, and we also love that, you know, just the company, you know, we haven't talked about it a lot here, but they do a lot of charity work. Some mm-hmm. that people know about and some that people don't know about it, like talking to Evan, just casually referencing like, oh, I bought this old high school and I'm t- turning it into this thing for kids. Like mm-hmm. all these things. I, know, I was like, I'm sorry, you're doing what? Mm-hmm. Just kind of yeah. in the course of conversation. Yeah. And and their coffee really is fantastic. So if you're just looking for um, to support like a good company doing mm-hmm. good things, you know, they're doing so many things for veterans that otherwise wouldn't get the support. I mean, things, again, that don't even get like media attention. I know. They're doing some incredible things for vets. Yep. And, and they're way more socially progressive than mm-hmm. 99% of people think they are. Like if you go to their facility, you're like, oh, it's not a bunch of G.I. Joe looking dudes. Like literally at all. It's was- every look. Every look, every race, creed, every mm, sexual every, persuasion, everything. yeah, identity, all that yeah. stuff. It was very cool to see, and they're all together in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And then, um, and real quick before the stories, you may have seen CDA on the news a while back. This is new to us, brand new as we record this. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be a while back once you hear this. Yes, but it was just this past weekend as we record this, and and more terrible publicity. Uh, got publicity for a white supremacist nationalist group affiliated with Patriot Front. Oh God, who are dirtbags uh, getting arrested for trying to disrupt North Idaho's largest ever. So it was a good thing, largest ever Pride Day, uh, Pride in the Park. Yeah, put on by the North Idaho Pride Alliance, such a fucking awesome group of people. Mm -hmm. And we just want to thank local law enforcement for acting fast, not only arresting those ignorant hate uh, hate mongering just morons, but they also like pulled their masks off Uh and publicly displayed them, published their mugshots so people Uh know who these idiots are. Uh, Groups like, you know, Patriot Front, they hide behind these nice sounding slogans like uh, defenders of traditional values. That doesn't even sound nice to me. Well, I know. I'm like, like, I know what you're doing. (laughs) I see you. It, yeah, because they're not nice. They're anti-immigrant. Even mm-hmm. though as white people, they have forgotten that, uh, you know, recent immigrants lay in their ancestry. Oh, my God. The one guy, I'm like, you're not even white. I'm looking at you, and I can tell you are not 100% Caucasian. You fucking moron. Always weird, yeah, when there are uh, people who are not white in a white supremacist group. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're racist in a land of immense ethnic diversity. You know, much that diversity, uh, the result of forced immigration that, you know, they've forgotten about. Homophobes in an age where there is so much science that proves that, you know— you do not unnaturally choose your sexual uh, identity or persuasion. Right. It is. You just are who you are. You are what you are. You love yeah. who you love. It's like, God, it's just fucking in you. Calm down, everybody. Mm-hmm. Calm and, down. And I can st- cite study after study, but that's not what the show is. But, but I just want to say, like, we just want you to know if you're anti-immigrant, anti-any sort of race, anti-any sexual identities other than straight, the only thing you're defending is ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I doubt anyone listening is bothered by us saying this. But if you are and you're mad about it, well, then good riddance. Bye. Like, Everyone else, we stand by you, and we're just we're just so fucking sick of that stuff happening. Yeah. Still, you yeah. know, it's like uh, enough. You know, when when can, one consenting adult wants to love another consenting adult in whichever way uh, they want that is not you know physically harmful right, or degree. It's like it, then it let them love. It doesn't love. matter. It doesn't matter what you do. It's between you yeah. and the person you're with. And like you're saying, if it's and this is what we always like preach to our children. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you love. I don't care how you love. So long as you are respectful and kind and consenting and no means no. Like, that's what it boils down to. Yep. Yep. And (laughs) people who want to, like, make it more complicated than that, (sighs) you're not doing anything good. You're not doing anything good, no matter what you might think. And we know that, you know, listen, this is not, we, there's so much going on in the world. So Mm -hmm. much. And we know that the vast majority of you come here for escapism and, we do too. You know, mm-hmm. it's so enjoyable that way. We're we're not talking about the left, the right, the, the this, the that, blah, blah, blah. But this happened but here. This happened 
less than a mile from where we right. live, less than a mile and, you know, from where we work. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just... Got friends blowing us up on text, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, do you see this? You know, oh, sending yeah. stuff. So my we dad, feel compelled to address it. My dad's like, are you home? Where are you? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, it just, what a mess. Yep. What a mess. And what are you teaching? Yep. You got enough stuff to worry about in the world. A lot, a lot of real things. You don't need to add to it with silly nonsense. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on. <sighs> Did you know that I have psychic powers? You don't. I know what you're going to say right now. I, I foresee that, that I have, have two stories. Yeah. I have a gift. Uh-huh. Uh, is, that, is that how many stories you have? I have six. No, you don't. You have two. <laughs> <laughs> I have are, 600. What are they? I have two stories. Uh, one about, oh man, uh, the little note that I wrote, the man in the closet that wears red. So creepy. Something in a closet. Ugh. And closets are so inherently creepy. Mm-hmm. Even as a pushing 40-year-old adult, I'm like <laughs> checking the closets out before I go to sleep, making sure the closets are closed all the way before I go yeah. to bed. Freaks me out. I'm pushing 30 and I still have those same kind of things, you know? 730? <laughs> like, are you just dropping numbers? No, just, you know. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. Like, mm-hmm. are you Benjamin Button? You going backwards? Maybe. Okay. Um, and then my second story about uh, a homemade Ouija board gone mm-hmm. wrong. Okay. I mean, when does a Ouija board ever go right? I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's lots of stories out there of awesome Ouija board experiences we're just not hearing. Hey, that'd be great. If you've had a positive Ouija board experience. I bet, I bet they have. Send it on over. Uh, I also have two stories. My second story is set in Wisconsin, the the ghosts of Jay Road. A couple of possible deaths where the killers were never held responsible for their crime seems to have led to some intense paranormal energy that still ling- lingers in the area powerfully to this day. And then my first story was inspired by my recent LSD trip over on Time Suck. <laughs> I just remember thinking towards the end of the trip about how terrible it would be in that state to see something, to see a spirit, oh, gosh. have some type of paranormal oof, encounter oof. while you're under the influence of a powerful psychedelic, and right. then who would believe you? Right. And and you in your head, you... Yeah, would you believe yourself? Would you believe yourself? And when you come out of it, you would do a lot of questioning of like, was mm-hmm. that or wasn't that? Was that or wasn't that? Seems it would add like an extra level of confusion and terror. So I, I dug through some old web, archi- web archives, try and find a story about exactly that phenomenon. Finally struck some gold. Uh, someone from Western Washington, identifying themselves as Kelly, had about as bad a trip as you can have. Oh, buddy, oh so boy. So hope they're alive and well now, or at least alive. This story is intense. Are you ready to hear it? I'm ready to hear it. I'm wearing these socks. They match my shirt, so I just had to wear them. These little, I love these guys. These are OG little, bing, 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 bing. Little monster socks. Little, little, um, yeah, little monsters. Sure. Mm -hmm. I did get a bunch of new socks in Chicago this weekend from fans, (laughs) but I left them at home because I haven't unpacked my suitcase yet. Sorry. And the shows were so fun. The last shows of the spring, stand-up shows, were so fun. Uh, Davenport, Chicago, thank you so much. I and know. we're so excited. I'm just feeling really recharged stand-up wise and very excited for fall touring and, and also excited to have a nice break to focus on podcasting. And thanks for screaming out for me at the Chicago <laughs> First yeah. Show. I was so sad. I heard about it when I got back from taking Monroe back to the hotel. Once again, my kids ruined my life. <laughs> uh, okay, so quite a bit of setup before we get into the scary parts of the story, but I definitely think it's worth the wait. Kelly had just graduated from Western Washington University a few weeks earlier with a bachelor's degree in accounting. His college career, at least the fun, living on or near campus part, surrounded almost entirely by people, you know, your own age, leading similar lives, that was over. He'd now been living in Bellingham for almost four years after growing up in Vancouver, Washington, just north of Portland. And suddenly he was expected to figure out what he was supposed to do with the rest of his life. No pressure, except so much pressure. He'd already had four years to figure this out, of course, but his graduation still seemed to catch him off guard, like it did to almost everyone else who had just graduated college. And he was one of the lucky ones. 
Unlike a lot of his classmates who were just starting to panic a bit after receiving no job offers, desperately submitting resumes, and hopelessly trying to land interviews, Kelly had a few jobs to pick from. He could stay local and work in Bellingham, which he definitely was considering. He'd made some great friends in the area, the best friends he'd ever had, actually. And despite having a lot more gray, rainy days and sunshine for most of the year, the summers were fantastic. And he was more of an indoor guy most of the time anyway. There was a lot to love about Bellingham. So many great coffee shops, restaurants, bars, live music, a young progressive culture. It was just cool. And it was so close to Vancouver, Canada, a big, also very cool city with all the fun things a big city has. And another country which seemed to make it feel a little more (laughs) exciting. But he'd also lived in Washington his whole life. And if he was going to try out someplace new, this is probably the best time he would ever have to do it. He also had job offers in Atlanta, Denver, and Nashville. <sighs> all bigger cities in Bellingham, a lot bigger, and all full of a lot more sunshine. He'd never been to Atlanta or Denver, but he did go to Nashville once with his parents when he was in high school, and it was way more fun than he'd expected it to be. It wasn't just honky-tonk bars, cowboy hats, and lifted trucks. Probably had more big trucks in Bellingham, actually. And the thought of starting over somewhere was pretty exciting. Who knew what kind of adventures awaited in any one of those cities? But what if he got there and hated it? What if he couldn't make new friends like the ones he had in Bellingham? What if he ended up stuck there, stuck across the country from his family and friends, unable to get the job that was waiting for him now in Bellingham? All these possibilities were exciting in their own ways. And it was also all terrifying. He was so scared he'd make the wrong choice and regret it for the rest of his life. He couldn't decide. He had to decide quick, but he just felt paralyzed. And then his buddy Ethan showed up. And Ethan wanted to help. (laughs) Ethan would not end up helping. He would make it all much worse, actually. But he had the best intentions. Kelly had known Ethan since sophomore year, and he'd just graduated with him. Ethan was wrestling with his own choice, stay in Bellingham or move down to Sacramento. And Ethan thought that maybe they needed to really get out of their own heads and freshen up their perspective on everything, cut through the bullshit, so to speak, find out what they really wanted to do by dropping some LSD. Ethan loved psychedelics, and he'd use any excuse to take them. Kelly didn't mind some of them. He liked shrooms quite a bit, actually, but the acid was never his first choice. He'd done it two times before, and both times, fun at first, but then it just went on and on and on. After three or four hours, he just wanted it to be over, but it went on for six, seven, eight more hours. I don't know, man. I'm not sure I want to get that crazy. It's so strong. That's the point, Ethan said, flashing that trademark, let's get crazy smile of his. Your night was certainly never going to be boring if you followed Ethan's lead. You need to really shake your brain up, dude. Force yourself to see everything from a different angle. Go into the trip with the right intention. Guide your brain into thinking about all four of those cities. And then the acid will point you in the right direction. I'm telling you. And then when you come back down, you'll know exactly what you're supposed to do. Do you believe any of that bullshit? (laughs) Kelly asked. Or do you just really want to do some acid with me? Maybe both, Ethan said, and then let out a big laugh. Come on, dude, he said. Even if it doesn't help. What if you end up moving away and don't have a cool friend like me around anymore who's got good shit? And what if you don't have the time to do this shit anymore? What if you get old and lame, maybe date some girl who hates his stuff, won't let you do it? I don't know. Kelly hesitated. Ethan gave him a final push. You have nothing to do this weekend. I know you don't. Right now, you have no school, no job, and no girlfriend. (laughs) But you do have me, and I have enough acid for both of us. Oh, Ethan. Come on, dude. Let's trip. It'll be so fun. I did some of this shit last month. It's so dope. You'll have a good trip, I promise. We can do it at my place. All my roommates are out of town. Kelly relented. Okay. Fuck it. Maybe he would have a good trip, he rationalized. Maybe it would be super fun. Ethan did have an awesome yard behind his house, lots of big lush trees on the edge of downtown, but also peaceful and quiet. And the weather was good. And the dude had a lot of great music. 
And who knows, what if it did open his mind? What if he came out of his trip knowing what he was supposed to do? Didn't Silicon Valley execs take acid or something to help make their decisions? Time now for the tale of a trip into hell. Kelly agreed to meet up with Ethan the next day at Arliss's for a big lunch and then start their journey around three o'clock. It was breakfast for lunch for him. After a fat stack of blueberry pancakes, eggs, bacon, and orange juice, he walked with Ethan over to his place. After they settled in, they each stuck a tab onto their tongues, grabbed a couple of tall boys, and headed out to the backyard. What a perfect day, said Ethan. This is going to be such a great trip. I can feel it. He was giddy. Kelly was actually getting excited too. It was a gorgeous day. Blue skies and sunshine, warm but not hot. After about an hour, the acid really started to kick in. The grass started getting greener, the leaves more vibrant, the sky more blue. And he was just starting to feel funny. And then maybe around 4.30, he wasn't taking perfect track of time. Everything started to move. Everything was beginning to pulsate and breathe, expand and contract. Here we go. Ethan put on a CD of ambient techno and Kelly leaned into the trip. No point in fighting it. Everything was starting to bend and warp. The grass was vibrating. A bird flew above them and Kelly was convinced it was watching them. <laughs> For a moment, he was convinced it had a human face. Was it a bird or maybe a little person? Could people be birds? No, people weren't birds, were they? His thoughts were getting disconnected and crazy. He and Ethan were sharing those thoughts with each other and laughing and laughing. It was a good trip. So far, anyway. Still had a ways to go. The acid kept kicking in harder and harder. Now, every once in a while, Kelly started to panic. He's too hot. His skin didn't feel right. His heart didn't feel right. Was it supposed to be beating this fast? The song was distorting. He was hearing everything in mono, then stereo, then distant, then close. More birds flew overhead, and it felt like they were watching them again, and that they hated them. He could hear some neighbors talking. Were they calling the police? They were. Maybe they were the police. He was going to lose his job offers, wasn't he? Did he even have job offers? Was he still in school? Was he ever in school? Luckily, Ethan knew how to snap him out of these dark thoughts and reset him. He switched up the music, something happier, slower tempo, mellow. Everything needed to be mellow. They both laid down on the ground and stared up at the blue sky. Things were peaceful again. They were magical. The clouds seemed alive. Did anyone live up in those clouds? Uh-oh. Now he had to go to the bathroom. Kelly got up and zigzagged his way into Ethan's house. The ground felt uneven, like it was moving. Inside, the hallway was too narrow, the bathroom too far away, too small. And he didn't like how his face looked in the mirror. But also, the faucet was very funny. Who would buy such a tiny, misshapen faucet? And so it went for the next few hours. Moments of panic, moments of confusion, moments of wonder and laughter. Things peaked somewhere around 8 o'clock, maybe 8.30. They laid outside again and watched the sunset. Things were really still moving. Thoughts were all over the place, but the panic was gone. At least it seemed like it was gone. Around 9, when the sun set, Kelly and Ethan decided to go down into the basement, listen to some vinyl. Ethan used the bathroom while Kelly walked down to the basement alone. It felt like he was just starting to be able to really control his thoughts again. He was thinking about jobs. Bellingham. Yes, he should stay here. Holy shit, it was so obvious. For sure, he loved it here. Why leave? Lots of people lived in towns that they didn't like. And yet, you know, here he was. Ah! He screamed. He wanted to yell, what the fuck is that? But the words wouldn't come out. Someone was already down in the basement. The basement light hadn't been turned on yet, and the space was only illuminated by a small light above the stairs. Kelly could just barely see through the darkness that across the room there was a shadowy humanoid figure. Not a person, though. A fucking monster. Red eyes, sharp teeth. It scared Kelly so bad he felt tears immediately well up in his eyes. He wondered if you could die of fright. He worried that was about to happen to him. The rest of the room was pulsing, bending. Things all around him were vibrating. The acid was still in his body. But this thing was still. 
Its shape didn't bend or bleed at all. The thing wasn't a trick of light, an altered perception. It was real, alive, and it was watching him. And then it began to walk towards him, or float rather. Its legs didn't seem to fully connect to the floor. Kelly turned around to run and fell onto the stairs. He could feel that thing behind him, still coming for him, its cold presence getting closer. He wanted to believe it was just the drugs, but his body told him the threat was real. He struggled to get up. His arms and legs were so heavy. It seemed like there was twice as many stairs heading up as there had been coming down. Things were warping and bending so hard again. It felt like the acid was suddenly hitting him harder than ever somehow. He was going to die if he didn't hurry. The thought hit him so powerfully, the thing was going to kill him. He scrambled up, slipped again to the top of the stairs before basically crawling out into the hallway. He wanted, needed to be back outside. He had to get out of the house. Ethan had heard him yell earlier and was finally coming out of the bathroom. Dude, he yelled, what are you doing? We're going to the basement. Kelly turned around to look back at his friend and screamed. That thing, that thing was right behind him. Run, he yelled and tried to motion for his friend to follow. Without even looking, Ethan was now also running for the backyard. They both shot outside on unsteady legs and made it back to where they were laying down earlier, stargazing. Oh my God, dude, you're freaking me out, Ethan yelled. And then he whispered, my neighbors, dude, they'll call the cops. We have to stay quiet. Then he paused and backed up a bit. He looked scared. Whoa, your energy is so dark. I gotta get some music back on. He walked back towards the portable stereo they'd brought outside. Kelly wanted to tell him, be careful, but he couldn't get the words out again. That thing. That thing was now standing in the kitchen, looking out at him through the window. Again, everything was bending, moving around it, but not that thing. It stayed so still. And then it left the window, heading towards the door to the yard. It made it to the door as Ethan was walking back towards him after starting the music up again. Was he sure he wasn't just tripping? Was that thing actually real, he wondered? Yes, he knew it was, and he knew it was dangerous. He had to leave, and he had to leave now. Can you see that? He asked Ethan, pointing at the thing now spilling out of the doorway and into the yard. What? Asked Ethan as he turned around to look. I don't see anything, he said. And then the thing entered him, absorbed into him somehow. And then Ethan, or at least Ethan's body, whipped back around. I sure see you, though, it said. Ethan's face transformed into something demonic. No need to worry about the job, buddy. Time to die. Ethan began storming straight towards him. Kelly stumbled slash ran to the side of the yard, around the house, and into the front yard. And then he just kept going. He left the yard and headed down the sidewalk, headed towards home. Maybe. He couldn't think straight. After a block or two, he looked back and Ethan wasn't behind him. But maybe that thing was? Maybe it came back out of him. There were so many shadows all around him, so many places for it to hide. Everything looked menacing. People's faces weren't holding the right shapes. Their eyes were too dark, energy not right. Impossible to tell if the changes were just part of a bad trip or if that thing was hiding inside of someone else. It took Kelly a good two hours to get home, even though it should have normally been a 20-minute walk tops. He ended up taking so many wrong turns, trying to avoid people. He worried might be the thing. He hid in a few yards, got lost in a park for a while, lost in a playground, The next day, he was amazed the police hadn't arrested him or that they hadn't at least stopped and questioned him. By the time he made it home, thank God, the trip was way less intense. He turned on every light in his apartment. His roommate was also thankfully out of town. He didn't want to be around anyone else right now, not until morning, not until the acid was completely out of his head, and not until it was daylight. He stayed up literally all night. Finally, he fell asleep around 7 in the morning, then woke up just before 4. Woke up to a voicemail and a couple of texts from Ethan. Dude! What the hell happened to you last night? It was all good until you went to the basement and then you just lost your mind. Call me when you get this. When Kelly called and spoke with Ethan, Ethan had no memory of any dark creature. He just remembered Kelly thinking he saw something in the basement and then running out into the yard, 
He remembered Kelly thinking the thing was watching them, coming to get them, and then he thought that Ethan was the thing, ran away, and Ethan couldn't find him. And Ethan tried to get a hold of him, which wasn't easy. He was still tripping pretty hard. And then he listened to some records down in the basement and eventually fell asleep. You didn't see anything else down there with you, Kelly asked. Dude, there was nothing down there ever. That was just the acid. Man, that shit hit you hard after the peak. Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah, I guess it, I guess it did. Did it at least help you make up your mind? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Nashville. Kelly was as surprised to say it as Ethan was to hear it. After what he saw, what he felt, it shook him up so bad, no way he wanted to stay in Bellingham anymore. It shook him up so bad he actually avoided seeing Ethan before he left. He was worried that thing was still inside him. Two weeks after that night, he was now living over halfway across the country. And a few weeks after that, right when he was feeling better about everything, starting to think maybe it was just the acid, he saw that thing again. Happened out of nowhere. He got out for a few drinks after work on a Friday with some new co-workers. Then he'd come back home, taken off his work clothes, gotten ready for bed in the bathroom, was walking to the kitchen in his little apartment when he saw it in the corner of the living room. Same fucking shadow, same red eyes, same teeth. He wasn't even drunk this time, and he sure as hell wasn't on acid. Never again with that stuff. Just like the time in the basement, it started to come for him, moving, floating across the floor. He ran into his bedroom where his phone was, uh, where his phone was, turned on the light, and locked the door. And then he didn't know what to do next. He was on the 12th floor, not like he could climb out the window and jump. He could see a darkness from underneath the bedroom door. That thing was standing, hovering, whatever, just on the other side. And then it jiggled his door handle several times, shaking it harder each time than the last. And then it stopped. And there was no trace of it underneath the door anymore. All was still for maybe a minute, maybe two. Bam, bam, bam! It was slamming someone, something into the door. Leave me alone, he screamed. Bam, bam, bam! Kelly was worried it would bust the door down. But then all was quiet again. All was quiet until about 15 minutes later when a police officer now showed up knocking on the front door. A worried neighbor had called. What a great way to be introduced to the building. After telling the officers he just had a really bad nightmare and letting them look to his apartment to verify he was alone, the police left. And Kelly was treated to another sleepless night. He turned on all the lights in the house and sat in terror. It wasn't the acid. It definitely wasn't the acid back at Ethan's house. Or was it just a really bad flashback? Kelly didn't fall asleep until right after the sun rose, and then he woke up a few hours later and immediately called Ethan. Ethan didn't pick up the phone, but one of his roommates did, Shane. And Shane had the worst news. Ethan was dead. He died in the basement a week earlier. Shane's voice was breaking up with emotion as he spoke. Doctors, doctors said it was a brain aneurysm. N no idea why. Kelly thought he knew. That fucking thing. That fucking thing got him. And now, somehow, it had found him in Asheville. Before getting off the phone, Kelly asked Shane, a random question I know, but is there any chance that Ethan might have dropped any acid the night he died? The line was silent for several moments. Shane? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think he did. Why would you ask that? Can acid give you a brain aneurysm? I, I don't know, Shane. I don't, I don't think so. Just a gut feeling. I gotta go, man. Be, be careful. Maybe stay away from that basement. Maybe get rid of whatever acid Ethan had left. And then Kelly hung up the phone and didn't answer when Shane called back. Kelly was lost in a terrible thought. Did whatever they took that night somehow open up a fucking door to wherever this thing was? Could some of the most intense things you see while you're tripping actually be real just somewhere else? Do they exist around us, but not in a way we can normally see? Not in a way we can normally access? Pondering these questions, Kelly wrote this story out on one of the web's earliest paranormal forums. He promised to give updates when he figured out whatever this thing was and how to stop it. Or at least just to let everyone know he was still okay. Kelly never posted another update. 
Oh, and that's it? That's it. Ah, I don't like those cliffhangers. <laughs> you haven't done that to me in a while. No, where is Kelly? Where is Kelly? Who knows? That is such a fascinating thought to think that like, it could just be right here, right with you all the time. All these different things that we just can't see through the lens that mm-hmm. we view life. But as soon as you expand your brain, open up the possibilities, you're not trying to intentionally push it away. Like, you know that feeling when you're like, oh, I feel like something's over mm-hmm. my shoulder or whatever. But our, uh, like the, the logical part of our brain makes excuses. And right. like, no, 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 no. But when you're high, you can't make those same kinds of, you can't draw those same kinds of conclusions. Yeah, what if some kind of drugs are like a little key uh-huh. just like opens that door. And it just like lifts a little layer and it's mm-hmm. like. Yep, lifts a veil. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what's here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no pictures accompany the story, but I did put um, bad LSD trip monsters oh, into boy. Google. This came up right away and just creeped me out. Okay, don't care for, oh, okay, but actually, can I just see Layla for a second? Mm, oh, yeah, a little Layla-esque. Layla, are you guys related? <laughs> Layla's cousin? Is that your evil cousin? <laughs> and then this next gif has nothing to do with the story, but something else that came up in the previous search. Yeah. And, and this is the kind of thing that you would really not want to see, but you could see some version of during a bad trip. Oh, that's funny. Uh, oh, man, it was not funny to me when I saw it. Just like her, where her eyeball should be, like her skin's bubbling. Yeah, but her whole face is kind of bubbling. Yeek. It's silly. <laughs> but also, I've never done LSD, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And anytime I've done shrooms, nothing terrible yeah, has yeah, happened, so. Yeah, I'd like to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Kids, don't do drugs. <laughs> Not those ones, anyways. I need Layla back. Uh-oh. You took her. She's mine. Oh, man. <laughs> Here you go. You don't need her yet. It's not even True. your turn yet. She feels at home over here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you have any questions before we move on? I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. I just like that, you know, right at the end, you know, just talking about that moving into the next realm of life. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of doing, to me, of doing psychedelics is expanding your brain and opening yourself up. So what's to say it doesn't open you up to other things? Mm. It's like, you don't have to only see flowers more colorfully. There isn't. It doesn't have to just be about like, I love you, I want to be with you. You know, right. it, it could be about. I just thought of any of that, like a, a ghost, a shadow, like any of the things we've talked about here. Yeah. You know, if these stories are real or some of those stories are real, then that means, you know, you can see these things at any time. And I just like, I was like, oh yeah, wh- what if you saw one of those things while under the influence of this very specific, like mind bending drug? I was thinking about like, I haven't played with my amulet in a while, mm-hmm. played, I haven't used it in a while, but like, what if I used it when I was high? Yeah. I wonder how, I don't really want to do that. Not mm-hmm. Like how would, how would affect but, things? Mm-hmm. What would it bring forward? And it's just interesting because later, you know, unless something happened again, that was like mirrored what you'd seen during mm-hmm. the, that episode, would you even believe it? Or, you know, how it'd be easier to write off. You'd be like, yeah, but I've seen all kinds of stuff. I don't know. Right. It's an interesting thought. <sighs> I don't know. <sighs> let's, let's not do that. You ready to move away from a terrible acid trip and head towards a spooky road trip? <gasps> yeah, I love a road trip. Before we travel from Washington State to Washington County, Wisconsin, we need to first take a quick in-between story sponsor break. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France, which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer. 
somehow being different words. To be, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, Creeps and Peepers. Please take advantage of those deals and use our codes. Please. Okay, time for another weird and scary story. Uh, Going to jump in quick on this one. Okay. Tiny bit of said. Uh, J Road is a 25-mile stretch, you know, roughly, of road located in Washington County, Wisconsin. Begins in Boltonville, little unincorporated community inside the just over 3,000-person town of Farmington, and then dead ends on the shores of Lake Michigan. J Road is reportedly one of the most haunted roads in the state, described by one paranormal researcher as a bleak rural drive surrounded by thick trees and a swamp. On certain nights, a thick fog also rolls in, adding a sinister element to an already eerie atmosphere. Time now for the tale of the ghosts of J Road. There are two entities that seem to be the primary sources of lore surrounding J Road. The first is known as the J Road Jogger. Story goes that a young woman was out jogging late one night many years ago when she was struck by a drunk driver. The impact sent her flying into the swamp, she died, and where her body was then never found. Now on foggy nights, J Road drivers might see a ghostly figure of a woman running along on the shoulder. When their headlights illuminate the figure, she stares at them for a moment with a look of horror before disappearing. Other drivers claim to see a wisp of fog coming from the swamp, slowly taking the shape of a woman running as it nears them. Others still have seen the jogger suddenly appear in their back seats. And many have stated that their car batteries died during these sightings, thought to be a result of the spirit using its energy to materialize. Second paranormal figure associated with J Road is a woman and her cats. Local legend claims that a woman once lived alone on J Road with many cats. Some troublemaking local teens decided to torment those cats, and the woman called the police, starting a feud. And unfortunately, this feud escalated severely to the point where those teens set her house on fire. Jesus! What was meant to be a scary prank turned into a deadly one. The whole house burned down to its foundation, and the woman attempting to save her cats died in the fire, oh. along with most of her pets. Allegedly, she cursed the teens as she died, and her spirit now wanders J Road looking for them. Today, travelers occasionally claim to see burning cats running across the side of the road, uh, passing by where the house once stood. Some have even claimed to see a burning house off in the distance. One woman, who kept having encounters, referred to herself as L for anonymity, contacted J. Nathan Couch, author of Washington County Paranormal, a Wisconsin legend trip, a collection of paranormal reports from the area, and she said that uh, she and her family lived in a house on J Road for two years and that they knew a house near them had burned down to its foundation because their landlord had moved their house onto that property. And she claims that she often saw cats out of the corners of her eyes. Luckily, not always burning. She said a cat once sat with her daughter on the couch, 
Uh, she actually thought it was a stray cat that had wandered into their home until she realized she could see right through it. And then the cat disappeared as soon as she noticed that. Elle's husband also said he felt invisible cats jumping onto their bed at night and walking around. Is any of this true? Is Jay Road really haunted by multiple spirits? Well, the following is a story from a married couple who Jay Road turned into believers in the paranormal forever. They decided to take a trip uh, down the infamous road one night, a decision they soon came to regret. My wife Brenda and I found ourselves restless one Sunday evening. It was too early to settle in for the night, but too late to go out and do anything. So, as we often did, we went for a drive. I had no destination in mind, just driving and enjoying the conversation. We got into the subject of ghosts and haunted places, which was somewhat normal for us. We were both fascinated by the idea of life after death, and had spent countless hours debating what we thought would happen to us when we died. Brenda then mentioned a road less than three miles from where we were at at that moment, a road she'd heard stories and rumors about her whole life, but she'd never actually been, but she'd never actually been there. The road was Jay Road, also known as Seven Bridges Road, a 25-mile stretch running through Washington County. When I asked what kind of story she'd heard about, she said she couldn't remember exactly. She just knew it was supposed to be very haunted uh, and that driving down the full length of the road had become some kind of rite of passage for local teens when she was growing up. Both of us being the impulsive idiots we now know we are, we headed in the direction of J Road. When we arrived at the sign indicating we had reached one end of J Road, it was easy to see why the place had the reputation it did. Before even driving any distance down the road, it already looked like a scene straight out of a horror movie. The darkness combined with the thin layer of fog rolling in made it especially eerie. The road ran alongside some swampland, and to our right, the water was thick and green, more sludge than anything. And there were no other cars passing by. The area was scarily silent. Our headlights were the only thing illuminating the darkness around us. There goes nothing, I announced as we started down the road. Creepy enough for you? I reached over and squeezed Brenda's knee. She laughed and playfully smacked my arm, but I could hear the nervousness in her laugh, even though she was trying to play it cool. As we drove down the first stretch of road, that atmosphere became creepier and creepier. The fog became increasingly dense, shrouding us in a thick cloud, making it difficult to see the road ahead of us. A few minutes into the drive, Brenda suddenly became adamant that she could hear people whispering. You can't tell me you can't hear that, she exclaimed. I genuinely couldn't at that point. But a couple minutes more down the road, I did begin to hear it. I couldn't make out what the words were saying, but it was a distinct variation of different voices. I wonder if perhaps our radio was malfunctioning, or if there was something wrong with the car, the wind maybe passing through some hole we couldn't see. My rational mind threw ideas at me, but none of them seemed to make any sense. The whispering was distinctly human-sounding. I was beginning to get more than a little creeped out, but I didn't want to scare Brenda, and decided that I wouldn't tell her I could hear the whispers too. And I continued driving down J Road. About a half mile down the road, I had to pull over. We were both hearing a loud whining-like noise now. Deciding that perhaps the whisper-type noises and this whining were precursors to a more serious car issue, I decided to stop. Jackson, what's going on? Came my wife's voice. She was clearly shaken. I decided once I figured out what was wrong with the car, we'd drive straight home. Just as my mouth opened to begin to tell her that I didn't know, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I looked to my right, saw a disturbance in the swampy water, some splashing and rippling. Brenda followed my gaze, almost jumped out of her seat. What the hell? The thick, boggy water continued moving, almost as if something just below the surface was swimming there. A few seconds later, a single hand popped out from beneath the water. Oh. I could feel my jaw open, my wife's hand squeezing my leg as another hand emerged. I was frozen. Later, I would tell Brenda that I hadn't moved because I was fascinated by the scene in front of me, but in reality, I was paralyzed with fear. A head now emerged from the thick green water. Long black hair, black eyes broke the surface. It looked human, but not quite human at the same time. Who was this strange person in the swamp? Why were they coming towards us? I was still frozen in place with an unnatural sense of calm, as if I was watching a movie and not experiencing the situation myself. 
Brenda started to lose it. She grabbed me so hard there would be marks on my thigh for days to come. Jackson, what the fuck do we do? She almost cried. Get the fuck out. Stay still. I managed to croak out. Just stay still and quiet. We don't want the car to startle whatever it is and piss it off. Okay, she breathed with hesitation. The thing's hands pushed down, the water they were pushing against appearing solid for a moment. A body fully emerged, lean, lanky, covered with mud, black hair obscuring whatever was beneath. It slowly walked across the water towards the road, feet dragging, slumping over. Still, all I could do was watch. As it got closer, I could make out a female shape. A female shape. It seemed as if it would have been an attractive female, except for the fact this person was translucent, not quite see-through, but definitely not solid, and her eyes too dark. Once at the side of the road, instead of running towards us, this apparition began to jog, running down the road, passing the car, and then completely vanishing up ahead. My wife's grip loosened as she breathed an audible sigh of relief. Jackson, was that real? Did we just see that? I paused before answering, I think so. To my complete surprise, Brenda asked, should we keep going? She still sounded pretty damn nervous, though her attempt at sounding, uh, through her attempt at sounding excited. I was right there with her. I do have to give her some credit. When I asked if she wanted to turn around and go home, she firmly replied, no, we came to do this thing. We have to go down the whole road. No, you don't. We drove further down the road, past the swamp, now passing some old woodland in this odd house. The road still looked eerie, covered in that dense fog. It was astounding to me that we had not passed a single car the entire time. My wife said I was probably reading too much into it. It was probably just a quiet road, but had a very uneasy feeling about the overall quietness. We've been driving almost 15 minutes, and then something caught our attention again. There seemed to be a bright glow coming from somewhere up ahead. The first guess that came to my mind was something was on fire, and I was right. The first thing we saw caused Brenda to nearly burst into tears. A cat streaked down the road, half its fur ablaze. Ugh. It was screeching and crying. Brenda wanted to stop to help the cat, but I could see there was a building clearly on fire up ahead, and there might be people who needed our help. Sure enough, as we drove down a little further, we could see a small house engulfed in flames, windows shattered, smoke billowing out. Call the fire department, I yelled to my wife as I exited the car. As soon as I stepped out, another three or four cats ran past me. To my absolute horror, they were heading into the burning building. I took a quick look back at my wife, who was on the phone explaining where to find us when I heard crying, a pained, wailed, sobbing. Almost out of nowhere came more cats, this time followed by an old woman. The woman looked distraught, eyes frantically scanning around her as if looking for something. She completely ignored me standing right in front of her. The fire department's on the way, miss, I shouted to her. She looked so absolutely real. She either ignored me or couldn't hear me, and so I shouted again and then chased after her. She ran after her cats into the burning building. I almost caught her, but I just wasn't quick enough, and she ran inside. This poor woman, she looked so old, so frail, easily in her 80s, and she ran straight into a burning building like she had a death wish. I pulled my jacket over my mouth and nose and ran in after her. I had to convince her to get out or just carry her out, whatever it took. I stepped in the immediate threshold of the blazing house. As soon as I got through the door, I could hear wood snapping and falling around me. I didn't have much time. I could hear my wife crying and yelling outside. I could barely see in front of me. I stepped in and moved through a hallway, looking all around but not seeing the woman anywhere. The smoke was quickly getting to me, and I could feel the skin on my hands searing with pain. I thought I heard the firefighters arrive as I heard loud voices and the unmistakable sound of a large vehicle. Before I could take another step, a cat ran in front of me. I tripped, fell (gasps) face first into the burning wreck of the house, and then everything went black. I awoke in the road, next to firefighters, and my wife clearly panicked and shouting. The woman, I croaked out. Did did someone find the woman? Brenda smothered me with kisses and worried touches, her tears falling on my face. As she cried, she ignored my questions until I became insistent. Brenda placed her hand on my arm and helped pull me up. Look, Jackson. Her voice urgent, her finger pointing ahead of her, and at that moment I saw exactly what the noise was about. There was no fire. 
There was no house, not even the foundation of a burned down house. There was no ash, no smoke, nothing. Just our car, my wife, and some extremely freaked out firefighters. I'm sure they thought I was crazy or high on something. For a second, I also thought maybe I'd lost my mind. But then I looked at my hands. I had clear, fresh burns all over my hands, and my clothes still smelled like smoke. I'd experienced something real. My wife and I both had. After the firefighters left, I still get embarrassed thinking about what they must think of us. My wife and I drove straight home. We decided not to finish the drive. After seeing that woman come out of the water, then actually getting burned, what might have been waiting for us next? Uh, I started to write that down, right? As you were saying, like, it wasn't real. I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if the burns are on his hand. Is he going to address that? Mm -hmm. That that would be the only confirmation you could possibly get. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't just entirely in your head. Eek. I do have a few pictures with this one. Okay. Uh, This is the picture uh, from from WisconsinFrights.com of Mm J-Road. So just a typical little quiet, you know, lonely road. A lot of very thick brush on either side. It reminds me of, in Handmaid's Tale, the very first episode. (sighs) When ah. um, June and her husband, I cannot think of his name right now, mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to get out of the uh, States the, the into Boston Canada. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're going down this road and then their car goes off the road, but it's just like thick brush yeah. and they follow you. And I don't want to tell you what happens. Uh, this next one is a pick from WisconsinFrights.com again of the swampy area Blech. where the ghost of the jogger supposedly is often spotted. Well, and swamps are inherently sketchy, scary, mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Water, yeah. Shadowy. Blech. Uh, no pics of burning ghosts or burning cat ghosts. Uh, so just how about for fun, a picture of a cat wearing a witch hat. Oh, look at that happy, cutie. Happy little witch cat. I was thinking of like the uh, exaggerated cartoon cat that we always see at Halloween. You know, it's like a mm, yeah. the big arched back. That's what I was yeah. picturing on fire, which is not appropriate. And how about just one more cat in a witch hat? Just because these are pretty funny. <laughs> that hat was being sold on Etsy. Little green oh stitch. Which I can't believe that cat so, sat there and took that. <laughs> I know. I'm always amazed, especially with cats. I, that's I'm what amazed. I was thinking. Yep. When they're like calm in an outfit, it's like, oh, you gotta. But I guess some some cats are very calm. Yeah. Oh my God. We saw the two cutest kittens at the airport. Remember those guys? Mm-hmm. Somebody brought their two kittens uh, through TSA and this oh, guy was just like, oh my God. And then he had to check his bag. And so he was like holding both cats who were just like glommed onto his chest with one hand. Oh, they were while so he was cute. Getting his luggage with his other. I'm mm-hmm. not a cat person, but those cats were. Yeah, they're pretty pretty cute. Oh, man. If they stayed that small forever and I wasn't allergic to cats, we would probably have two small cats. One for Penny, <laughs> one for Gigi. Well, little cat buddies. Yes. Gigi loves to take care. True. So. Sometimes that works out great and it's so cute when it does. And then because I have experiences growing up and then sometimes the cats hate the dog. Well, that's why you get a kitten mm-hmm. and you train them mm. to love. Try to force it. Force force the love. Yeah. You got the love, baby. You gotta make them make them snuggle. Oh my god, Gigi would be so cute with a baby kitten. She would be. Could she would just lick it and lick it and lick it. Mm-hmm. Which the cats like licking. True. So you know. Yep, she keep it clean in her it, mind. It could be. Oh, it would smell so bad. I know her breath is so bad. Always, you know, we can brush. We can get her teeth brushed. Get little like um, greeny bones to help her breath because it's not from her teeth. It's from her stomach. From the bowels of her stomach. <laughs> Is just that, rot. That is your assessment. That's, That's my assessment. Yeah. So she has a rotten stomach. I think she has puppy halitosis. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you cure that. We've tried everything. If you guys mm-hmm. got tips, we'll take them. <laughs> our vet is like, no, nah, she's just a dog. I'm like, that is not the answer. Mm-hmm. They all smell a little different. Yeah. I'm like, I like our our vet, but she's very um 
Old school? She's not no fluff. Yeah, she's very no like frills. Ser- yeah, she's very frills. She's she's also very much like basically like don't pamper your pets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, don't don't let them think they're human. Nope. Keep them in the garage. Keep them locked <laughs> it's up. Like no. I was like no, not my fur babies. What's wrong with you? But she is a good vet, so <laughs> yep. Hard. It's a it's a, a struggle right there. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, you're Layla. I do. Purple Layla this week. We gotta next week I want you to switch it up. I love you, Layla. I do, but you've been here for a couple weeks now. And you like, already switched it up. I had a uh, black Layla here when I set things up and then I came in and back and she was gone. <laughs> I was trying to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see if you would notice. Yeah, I noticed. Okay, well, you know, listen, details sometimes are not your strong suit, so mm-hmm. I didn't know if you would catch on. Okay. All right. Uh okay. The man in the closet that wears red. All right. So uncomfortable uh this this story as you would say does not take a ton of setup we just get right into the thick of it right away um you know this story is about like a little bit of a hat man maybe yeah something in a closet shadows like all these like spooky things that come together in a really 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 uncomfortable way okay i don't know that we've ever met like a red man we've met I mean, it met, but in our stories, a man with red eyes or a figure with red eyes, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a red being. <sighs> Something from the early episode stands out to me as like being uh, familiar, but but yeah, if so, so rarely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do love yeah. to introduce a new thing to be afraid of mm-hmm. or to bring back something that we've very mm-hmm. briefly, briefly spoken about. On, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm pretty, pretty into this. Uh and then the other part of it is that, you know, generally speaking, in my opinion, when we talk about encountering spirits, they don't usually hurt you. Not, I mean, Mm-mm. there'll be the occasional story where it's like three scratches or, you know, which of course is, you know, a, a sign of a demon, but it, it's not that often that we really truly physically interact with these spirits. Yeah. Like literally physically, mm-hmm. like they might move an object around. It's more like the ones that, like, that more often. I mean, there's been some crazy poltergeists, some some, some crazy demonic possession stuff. Yes. Where, where, but, but it's but, very that, rare. I'm saying outside of possession. I should have oh, clarified yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then there's those weird stories where the person is found dead mm-hmm. after complaining about things, but no one was there to see exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And, it can, and it can be written off as like a, a stroke or a heart attack. Or, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. well w- this red guy. He's not messing around to get what he wants. Okay, he's aggressive. He is aggressive. Hi, scared to death. My name is Toby from Saskatoon, Canada, Hmm. and I've got a story for you from my childhood. This takes place in the late 1980s when I shared a bedroom with my younger brother. I would have been about six, and he would have only been three. The foot of our beds faced the enormous closet on the far side of our bedroom, though our beds were on opposite walls. One night, I woke up after feeling something tugging at my blankets. The first place my gaze fell was naturally on the closet opposite the foot of our beds. The closets never had any doors on them. I'm assuming they'd been removed before we had moved in. So it was just full of our clothes and then our toys on the shelves behind the clothing. As I looked ahead to see what had tugged at my blankets, I saw a man standing in the closet. He was tall, dressed entirely in red from head to foot, including a hat, and he was smiling and waving at me. I was so instantly terrified, I couldn't even scream. All I could do was lie back down and pull my blankets up over my head and pretend I was asleep. And just as I was about to sleep, fall and just as I was about to fall asleep, I heard a voice say, Your covers won't protect you. 
The next night, I woke up to the sound of screaming and looked over to see my brother's bed was in flames. My parents rushed into the bedroom to grab my brother out of bed and put the fire out. The fire had been started by a lamp we normally have on a bedside table, which had been knocked over onto his bed in such a way that the bare bulb was exposed directly to the covers. And in those days, we had only incandescent bulbs, which got very hot. My brother was taken to the hospital where he was treated for second degree burns across both of his legs. Fortunately, because he was so young, he ended up with no scars from his injuries. We weren't able to have lamps in the bedroom from that night forward. Instead, our parents got us one of those small plug-in nightlights. A few weeks later, I was staying at my grandparents' house as I often did on the weekends. There was a thunderstorm and my grandma, being superstitious about many things, asked me to go close the living room curtains. She believed it was bad to have open windows during thunderstorms. I went to close them. Part of the cushion brushed over the gap between an electrical outlet and the extension cord that was plugged in. As I pulled the curtains, they went up in flames. I ended up with second-degree burns all over my right hand and wrist. I remember hearing someone laughing in the brief instance between the curtain brushing between the socket and the cord and it catching fire. I told my grandma about the laugh I heard, and she asked me to tell her more. I immediately thought about the man in the red suit from my closet and the fire in my brother's bed. I think she had asked in order to keep me talking, to maybe distract me from the pain. After I, after I told her, she said there was nothing to be afraid of, that we, were, that we were protected, and that that man would never come for us again. Before I went home for the week, she gave me a small bottle of what she said was holy oil. She said I should make sure to put some on myself and my brother before we go to bed and that it would make us invisible Mm. if the man in the red suit were to show up again. I did as she instructed and true to her word, the man in the red suit never returned. Regards, Toby. Thanks, Toby. Just just the way that one even like opened, I I just kind of like stuck there um, in my head for a little while. We're just, I mean, kid, adult, whatever. But just like, you know, you're looking in the closet or I, or I imagine myself just like, you know, going in the closet, open the door, like maybe, oh my God. maybe, maybe push some things aside. To ah. be, okay. Think about that in our closet. Stop. Stop. No, no, I don't want to. No. And you, no, and you push stop. some stuff aside stop. and there's a re- guy there. Yeah, I know. Yikes. Thank God we have small closets. It'd be very difficult. The way our closets are, our closets are tiny. He would have to be crouched, mm. <sighs> sitting on a shelf. But what if he just came out of the wall? Well, that's different. Mm-hmm. That is terrifying. I didn't think about that as an option. <laughs> or just like, like, in my mind, it's like he had to walk in there and place himself <laughs> in there as if he were playing hide and go seek. <laughs> as if spirits can't just like flitter around. Or just that thing of like pushing clothes mm-hmm. aside and there's a <gasps> face right there. <sighs> oh, or boy. like a smiling face waving at you. Oh my God. My God, that would be. That's going to be a fun practical joke. If I could like. <sighs> mount something to the back of the wall where your shirts, like your um, button-down shirts are, and you go to pull it out, mm-hmm. and then just like, Bleh! If I did, If I did that to you, I think you would literally burst into tears. I think so. I think we'd have a repeat of the one, the only other time that you made me cry with a scare. Mm-hmm. But uh, this story, I mean, it's just so, okay, man in red, so, and then fire. And to, mm, Yeah, the thing about your kid's bed, I mean, or you know, his brother's yeah. brother, but uh, as a parent, Ooh. oh my God. I don't it's already hard to sleep as a parent because you're always like, okay, Kyler's not feeling great night now. Mm-hmm. Right now, I was nervous to go to bed last night. So like, I don't know, like I should probably set an alarm to check on him in four hours. And yeah. like, he is a 16 year old, like mm-hmm. child man. And it's a head cold. 
I know, but I'm still always like, I don't know, like, how's your breathing? Are you okay? It's not like no one's ever died of a cold before. Like, I just immediately like panic and freak out anytime the kids are sleeping. I'm like, mm-hmm. are they breathing? Are they breathing? It's like, Lindsay, they have yeah. slept for so many years. They're fine. But I freak myself out. I'm always a little bit worried. Mm-hmm. Can't help it. Can't help it. But yeah, okay. So how would you ever go back to bed? You know, I don't know. I would be like, I think you guys are sleeping in my room now. Yeah. And they'd have some, we have so many weird mental health issues. I'd be like, when I was three, my mom forced me to start sleeping in her bed. Because there was a red man in the closet. And there was a fire. But Mm -hmm. okay, the red, what I found so scary about this was that the red man, to me, now having heard the story in its entirety, symbolizes fire. And he's telling that, he told the other boy, he told Toby, like, you're not safe from me. So that, And then the next night, his brother's bed is on fire. Mm -hmm. And then not that much longer. Uh, after that, that yeah. then he's on fire. Oh it's like the that red man loves fire. He's a pyro freak, and he's a terrible, terrible spirit who clearly meant them harm. I wonder if there's some little like fire demon monster oh my thing. God, yikes! And that's like you know, like we Ugh. talked about earlier. There's not that many stories of you know uh, people surviving and saying that they were like physically assaulted by mm-hmm. things. Those are very, very rare. What if that's because a lot of those spirits, like when, when people die in a fire. Uh, what if like who, I didn't a, consider that. a percentage of those fires were started by little monsters? It's a scary thought too. That's a very scary thought. Yeah, when there's those house fires, they're like, we just don't know we what don't caused know. it. And they're always looking, you know, they're always or looking for- Or if they do know. Right, right, right. And they're like, oh, it's like faulty wiring mm-hmm. or a really old house with a copper tube or like, I mean, you know, a candle was left burning too long. Yeah, if if, uh, if, if some paranormal entity can can produce enough energy or whatever to throw a, a dish across a room or to float something through a living room, why couldn't it like bend a wire to touch like some insulation to start it on fire? Oh, man. Oh, boy. That just opened a whole world of possibilities I hadn't really considered. Uncomfortable. Yikes. As things get weirder in the world, this, this I stuff know what? seems- The world is so fucking weird right now. Things seem more probable to me. I know, I know. <laughs> like I've been feels, a little bit more edgy. <laughs> all the crazy weather. It's like there's all these, um, you know, fires now that are, you know, or they're getting worried about fires, yeah. floods, and there's like a crazy heat wave in most of the country. While meanwhile, mid-June, it is still winter here somehow. It is like it's 45 snowed, degrees. It snowed at the pass, like uh-huh. yesterday. Like yesterday. what the fuck is happening? And, and just with like economic, you know, the economy and different things going on in the world, things just like reality feels more fragile that's true and i'm like ah these things seem more possible well and since you're your big drug trip i'm like Mm -hmm. oh my god you know i mean i always feel in touch with the earth and with energy around me and i feel i mean the earth has a pulse not Mm. a not a put your hands on the pulse kind of thing (laughs) right right but i mean I, we know like trees are living, breathing things, mm-hmm. you know, right? So it's just like in that, that way, it just makes everything feel heightened. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, trees give off energy, plants give off energy. Okay. Spirits give off an energy. It's like when you walk into a room and it's cold, you're right. Why couldn't they make their energy harness it enough to have it cause fires yeah i mean if we're gonna go with the possibility of all this yeah you know it's like there's story after story after story mm-hmm. i mean so many stories so many we haven't told yet of mm-hmm. you know th- people seeing things getting moved around like lots of ah. witnesses right and they do I it mean, through energy right it's like that's my assumption is that if this mug like some kind of telekinesis watch this is what, if this mug all of a sudden flew across the desk mm-hmm. <laughs> right okay but, 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 but if there but was if, a spear right here that was like bing mm-hmm because they're not, I'm, well, if guess, that's possible, yeah. the wire thing is possible. Uh, if one's possible, the other's possible. Just too much. 
It's too much. It's so scary. It's so uncomfortable. Just think about the face in the closet if you want it to be calmed down. If you need to relax, just think about a monster when you're alone at the house, a monster in the closet coming out. I'm not going to be alone in that house for many, many weeks, so I'm feeling good. <laughs> feeling good about that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Are you ready to move on from the fireman? Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to call him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fire devil? Good story. I mean, sucks for Toby, but good story. I know. I'm glad his brother was okay. I mean, it sounds like in the end, it like both the end, all right. It sounds like in the end, it's, it's resolved. Yeah, and what did his grandma give him? Okay, holy oil, but really, like, is she a little witchy? And he yeah, just didn't know? Maybe. This story also has a little witchy grandma, okay. or, or, or potentially witchy grandma. Uh, okay, so in this story, we have a, a young man who sneaks a young girl over for a little makeout session <laughs> and he's been experiencing some stuff and so you know she makes a ouija board and and so goes the story okay. i was thinking back about like my youth i don't know if i ever snuck boys into my house like i'm i, mm. I did some questionable things for sure but i don't think i ever snuck anybody in definitely snuck around have little like makeout sessions yeah how what like oh you didn't really like make out with girls when you were young so you probably don't have any funny like <laughs> Like, oh, I snuck a girl into no, my bedroom or nah. like I snuck out of school early or. Nope. No. Oh, nope. man. That all happened later for me. Oh, then you didn't have to sneak. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, the closest was, well, I guess at the end of high school, I mean, kind of like I think, yeah, there was a few things like the very end of high school, like maybe even like summer afterwards where some girlfriend I had came up and stayed with us. But like it was when I was in that weird like basement or shed house. Oh, yeah. Like my two years. At your dad's? Mm -hmm, I live in the shed. Uh, <laughs> basically, it's a true statement. True. Then not basically a true statement. 100% a, a true statement. I lived in a converted shed. And and she- Wasn't converted. <laughs> not it was really. Wasn't shed. converted very much. And when she was staying in the house and I was out there, then I like snuck. No, she snuck out. And she's not going to the shed. I, I don't even think your dad would have stopped her. He might have at that time. He, really? he went through some weird phases okay. of being like very conservative like that, with that kind of stuff. Oh, actually, I just remembered. Okay, my brother. Okay, my brother mm -hmm. and I are three years apart. And so this wasn't like sneaking, but mm -hmm. what we were doing was sneaky. I would have a girlfriend spend the night and he would go out like and he was in high school. Like we were eighth grade and he was... Oh my God, I can't believe how young we were when I think about this. Let's leave the ages out of it. Yeah. I would have a girlfriend spend the night. He would have a buddy spend the night. And when we both came home with our respective friends from like going to the movies or the mm -hmm. roller skating rink, it was like my best friend would make out with my brother and I would make out with his friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom, but like we would sneak them into my bedroom and my mom was never the wiser. Yeah. And she doesn't listen to this show, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty fun. Well, let's see. Let's see what the the payback is for doing shit like that. Okay. Kids, are you listening? <laughs> Dear Dan and Lindsay, first off, I just want to say I love the podcast, and second, I've been thinking about writing in for a while, but putting the story together has been rather difficult. Partly because I don't want to believe it. However, I do think I almost nearly killed my grandma. <laughs> it started with a dream, well, a nightmare. When I was little, I used to get sleep paralysis. I'd wake up in my room completely unable to move. And in my doorway, I'd see the hat man. He was all black, no eyes, no face, but I knew he was watching me. I could feel it. This happened several times, but after a few years, the sleep paralysis went away and the hat man also stopped showing up. Things were normal for a while. But then the little girl showed up. I would hear her running in the halls night after night. At first, I thought it was my cat doing that midnight spaz thing where they haul ass around the house for no good reason at all. But then one night, I heard the running, and I noticed that my cat was still curled up next to me. 
And that creeped me the fuck out. Night after night, I heard footsteps up and down the halls, up and down the stairs. It happened so frequently that I almost got used to it. Almost. If it wasn't for the laughing, I might have. I tried to tell myself that it was my imagination, that the laughter I heard was because of my parents' TV or because my sister was watching YouTube. I tried to convince myself that it wasn't anything other than a damn ghost girl. One day, while I was home alone playing video games in the basement, I heard the girl laughing. The sound came from this hole in the wall that my parents used for storage. Needless to say, I got the fuck out of there and stayed upstairs for the rest of the day. Cut to three months later. I'm 16 and my parents are out of town for some R&R and my grandma is staying with me. As soon as my parents left, I called my girlfriend at the time, Raina, and had her come over. When she got there, I snuck her down to the basement. Now don't get me wrong. I hated the basement, but A, my grandma was home. B, I wasn't allowed to have girls in my room. And C, I didn't want her to see my girlfriend and me making out, so I bit the bullet. The room was dark. The lights were out and our faces were lit only by the TV screen. As we were kissing, I saw, in the corner of my eye, a dark, dense shadow run from one side of the room to the other. My first instinct was to run upstairs and never go in my basement again. But I didn't want to scare my girlfriend or look like a dweeb. So instead of running, I turned to her and said, Did you see that? See what? She said, looking around. That shadow, I said. It ran right past us. She looked at me like I had a third eye. I didn't want her to think I was crazy or having some kind of hallucination, so I decided to explain everything. Once she heard the whole story and learned that I had had a connection to the paranormal basically my entire life, her whole eyes lit up. She gave me this big grin and said, you should talk to them. (laughs) Oh, hell no, I thought. But damn it if she didn't look so cute and excited. I asked how I'd do that, and she suggested we would use a Ouija board. I told her I didn't have one, and I really Mm. thought that that was my ace in the hole. But she said, I'll just make you one. She gathered up a large piece of paper and a Sharpie and crafted a pretty janky-looking spirit board. (laughs) I looked at it and thought, there's no way this thing is going to work. I'm a huge peeper, and I wasn't going to let myself get pranked by another person pushing the pieces, spelling out imminent death before we dove in. So before we dove in, I looked at Raina and I said, don't fuck with me, okay? Promise? She promised she wouldn't fake anything, and I believed her. In my already creepy basement, Raina lit two white candles and placed them on either side of the board. We sat across from each other. To begin, we held hands, and she said some wooey prayer about not letting anything but good spirits in. Then we put our hands on the planchette. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I mean (laughs) the cut-up stump of an old transparent solo cup and started the session. At first, all we got was gibberish, random letters and so on. Nothing I would call intelligent. We sat there with our hands on the board for probably 20 minutes and nothing happened. I was about to call it quits when suddenly a pair of heavy boots came clomping down the stairs. My immediate thought was, fuck, my dad forgot something. Now he's home and he's going to see me in the basement with a girl doing occulty things. (laughs) I braced myself for the lecture as the boots neared the bottom of the steps. When they got to the final step, they stomped and no more noise was heard. Raina and I waited for my dad, for someone, anyone, to come around the corner to ask what we were doing, but no one ever came. Then everything got cold. I live in New England, and it was midsummer. It's supposed to be hot and muggy, but behind me, there was a big, ominous cold spot. It seemed about six feet tall, four feet wide, and it was watching me. I could feel it. 
Some primitive part of me waved a hundred red flags that signaled danger. I told Raina we had to end the session now. Why? She asked. Just end it. I'll explain later. She blew out the candles and turned on the overhead lights. What's wrong with you? She asked. There was something here, I said. She rolled her eyes. That's the point. (laughs) We wanted to talk to them. No, this wasn't some froofy good witch spirit. This was dark, Raina. What do you mean dark? I I don't know. Whatever it was, it just didn't feel right. She shook her head. I could tell she was annoyed and that, uh, that she didn't get to have the same experience or even get the answers she wanted, but she saw the way I was shaking and didn't push it any further. Raina made sure the candles were completely out and we went upstairs. Neither of us touched the board. When we got upstairs, we found my grandmother wrapped in a blanket curled up on the couch. She was sound asleep. The footsteps clearly had not been hers. And even if she had come downstairs, my grandma weighs about 100 pounds soaking wet and she shuffles when she walks. She certainly did not stomp down those stairs the way we had heard. Raina went home after that and I went to my room. I laid in bed all night thinking about what had happened and what the presence may have been. What broke my train of thought was a noise coming from downstairs. It sounded like something was scraping against the floor. I went downstairs to investigate and found the basement door wide open. My grandma wasn't in the living room or in the guest room where she was staying. The noise came again. This time I realized it was the sound of our couch being dragged across the concrete basement floor. How, I thought. Mm -hmm. Even I found the couch to be heavy. There was no way that it could be my grandma. Then there was some more shuffling from below. Something was off. I didn't like the feeling, so I went back upstairs and somehow convinced myself to ignore it and fall asleep. The next morning, I woke up at 11 when the sun shone directly in my face. As I was forced out of bed, I went downstairs and saw my grandma in the kitchen. I asked her, what were you doing in the basement last night? She said, I didn't go in the basement, Johnny. Yeah, you did. I heard you. Oh, I just came here for some water, that's all. I thought maybe she was confused. No, last night... We, she cut me off. I came down for water, John. Her voice was firm and stern. All right. I didn't push it any further, but I knew she was lying. I just didn't know why. Later on, I invited Raina over to hang out. She wanted to use the board again and to give the session another shot. Me, being a very horny Darren, gave into my hormones and said yes. But when we went back to the basement, we couldn't find it. Our Ouija board was gone. I told Raina about how weird my grandma was being, and she thought maybe my grandma knew what we were doing down there and came to look for the board last night. She probably just took it and threw it away. My grandma was old-fashioned. She had no time for occult shit in her house. None of that devil magic. She literally had said that to me before, for doing card tricks. (laughs) But how could she know about the board? I had snuck Raina in without her noticing, and we stayed in the basement well past when she fell asleep. Plus, if she did go down, we left the board on the table. Why would she have to move furniture around? This was so fucking weird. With the board missing, I thought we could move past the spiritual and get down to the physical, if you know what I mean. But Raina had other ideas. She wanted to find the board. So being the stubborn SOB she is, Raina rooted around in every trash can in the house. She looked in every pile of scrap paper, and she even opened every freaking cabinet, just in case. But she couldn't find it. I suggested, against better judgment, she make another one, but she's a very sentimental person, and if it wasn't the OG board, she just didn't want it. So instead of conjuring spooky Hmm. spirits in my basement, we made out in the backyard. A win-win for me. (laughs) Two days later, my grandma took a nasty fall down the stairs. I was in the living room reading when I heard this really ugly fall. 
I raced up to the landing where I found her face down. She was breathing, but she wasn't really moving, and she was groaning like she was in a lot of pain. I didn't know what else to do, so I called 911 and had her taken away in an ambulance. I called my parents immediately after hanging up with the ambulance, and luckily, they were only a couple hours away and got home quickly. Because of the fall, my grandma's hip was shattered, and she had bruises all over her ribs and arms and legs. After my dad got home, from the, after my dad got home from the hospital, he told me to gather my grandma's things. She hadn't had much with her, just a phone, a charger, some clothes, and a book. But he wanted her to have it all so that she was more comfortable in the hospital. While I was collecting my grandma's stuff, I found that OG Ouija board that Raina had made me stashed under my grandma's bed. Wow. Interesting, huh? I wonder, I wonder why she, I mean, who knows, but I wonder why she kept it. Like, why, I don't know. As opposed to destroying it. Well, maybe, she, well, I mean, um, she was probably going to take it home with her and get rid of it there. She's, you know, kind of just babysitting and just staying with the 16-year-old, so she doesn't want him to find it again. I mean, look at Raina did root around the whole fucking house for it. And that's such a kid thing. It's like, if I took something, if my mom had taken something from me that I wasn't supposed to have mm-hmm. and just thrown it away, yeah, I would have found it in the trash and just took it out of the trash. I, I'm surprised like she didn't like almost like burn it or something. So well, it's just like, paper. A home, right, right. Paper, but like burn it, you know, just like destroy it completely. Maybe. Then it just made me think like, did it move there on its own? No. Well, I don't think so. I, yeah, I she, feel like she put it there to hide it from him. But I don't know. Maybe not because if. But if she's worried about, I'm just thinking if she's worried about this thing having like evil energy. Yeah. I wouldn't want that thing under my bed. Yeah. If she, I don't have time for your devil tricks mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like, but she seems like no nonsense. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe she, yeah, she just like wasn't worried about the thing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. She was worried about them using the thing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then, then do you think like the the possibility that some some thing that they conjured helped her fall down the stairs? I do, I do, because if they heard you know these big heavy boot steps coming down mm-hmm. the steps to begin with, it's like what if she? I mean, what if the them using the Ouija board in the basement created some sort of portal or opening, mm-hmm. and there was just energy, and maybe his grandma didn't necessarily remember going in the basement. Maybe she was drawn to the basement. And mm. when when Johnny asked her about it the next day, maybe she was so firm and stressful because she herself didn't understand. What and was it, going on, yeah. Yeah, and, and didn't care for the, like, the, the discomfort mm-hmm. and the unknowing of why she had done what she had done. Yeah. You know? And then just a couple days later, she falls down the stairs. It all feels very sus. Yeah. I, I wrote. I wrote on a couple uh, little things. One of them has nothing to do with horror. I just um, Johnny wrote uh, the word dweeb. Uh huh. I love that word. I know, and you don't hear about it. You don't hear I, it very often. I know. I was like, let's bring dweeb back. Yeah, you dweeb. dweeb. You dweeb. Dweeb is like a. It's it's more fun than dork. Oh, way more fun because dork is like uber specific. Like when you just think of, you know, like a typical like dorky, <laughs> you know, tucked in shirt. Yeah. Like yeah, there's like nerd, stereotypical dork, and dweeb. That are all kind of in the same thing, but dweeb I feel like is opened up to like, like dweeb is like akin to me to like knucklehead. I don't. You know, knucklehead. You know what? I would use dweeb to describe Joe Paisley. Whoa! Just kidding. Oh my god! (laughs) I just wanted to make sure you were listening. (laughs) Wow! I'm gonna use dweeb at home with the kids. I feel like Monroe will probably get a good kick out of that. The same way she gets a kick out of you calling the dogs turkeys. Mm -hmm. You little turkey. You You know what's a fun thing to call people? What? Worm. The worm. worm, you little worm, my oh, little worm. <laughs> I don't know why it's so yeah. funny to me. Weasel's good too. You weasel, you worm is good. Weasel's Ky- weasel's a little mean. Okay, Ky- Kyler's been Kyler's been saying something to Monroe that's mean, but it makes her laugh. Where he says like well, you're dumber dumber than a pile of rocks, a pile of bricks, a pile of bricks. So maybe dweeb, she can work dweeb into a return insult. <laughs> I know she really thinks it's so funny. And then the homemade Ouija board. 
The kind they made, it reminded me of a story a couple months ago. Uh, there was the cup game from like South America. Oh, yeah. I, I want to say Uruguay, some company down there. But it's, you know, it's basically just, yeah, you just make your own Ouija board and then use a cup mm-hmm. to move around. So they just, you know, did that. Yeah, I mean, Reina. We, we could just, listen, one day on this show, we could just not have a regular show. We could just make our own Ouija board and see what happens. <laughs> you don't want to play. You don't want anything to do with Ouija boards, though. Not really. Yeah, not really. And then I just love that age too, where you know Reina is way more into this stuff than Johnny. Uh huh. But like that age, it's like, oh yeah, like the 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 power um, a cute girl has over uh, a boy really into her, mm-hmm. you know, like that, especially like in the teen years, mm-hmm. is like they will do anything to make like, oh yeah, I'll do this. like even if even if inside he would have been terrified, yep. he'd be like, oh yeah, sure, absolutely, uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. Whatever he thinks might, might lead him to like more making out. I know young love is what mm-hmm. it is. It's just like that very, you're so inexperienced. You're so desperate to have the experiences mm-hmm. that like when you, yeah, li- you want. when you like someone and they suggest that uh-huh. you you do something and, and, and the doing of the something is generally not even sexual in nature. It's just mm-hmm. like, go on this roller coaster with me. And you're just hoping yeah. that you get, you know, oh my God, I hope that I hope we're going to hold hands. Yeah. Let's go do some cliff jumping in your head. You're like, I'm terrified or petrified of heights. Right. Or it's like, I, I can't swim that well. But but then the words that come out like, yeah, yeah, totally. I yeah. love it. Cool. Uh, my favorite. I love it. Cliff jump. Uh-huh. I know. God, <laughs> the dumb things we've done. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think like if I have any, I, don't, I can't think of anything like that, but I'm sure that I have plenty of those moments. Mm-hmm. We all do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. What if I told you right now yeah. that early on, okay. I pretended to love horror to make you like me more. I, I think and, that was so sweet. And look how, look how like far, how far I've taken I dedicated it. I would love to. Yeah, <laughs> what, what a sweet thing for you to do. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> um, after the show, I'm like, listen, we need to have a little chat. <laughs> This, this is um I've been doing this all along for you and I I hate it. I'm like I'm like our brother-in-law Jared who you cannot watch a scary movie with Jared. He does not. Yeah, he's not scared by it. He just like picks it apart. He's just annoyed by it if anything. He's just like a bump on a log. He's like a when very stoic kind of guy yeah. anyways. I mean yeah. he's great. I great, love him. Yeah, great dude, but horror but like, is not. He doesn't want to suspend disbelief. Right. Emerson, his son. Are you listening? Emerson knows. Em would know. It was mm-hmm. like you're not going to watch a horror movie with your dad, Em. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll be a good sport and take you, but he's not going to be jumping yeah. He's or, not going to get scared. It's not going to no. he, he just seemed like that never happened. No. Yeah. That That's dumb. Happen. That's, That's stupid. Dumb. Mm-hmm. Who would do that? I know. Speaking of horror movies, this is, it does get classified loosely in horror, mm-hmm. but uh, our friend Michael, my barber, like, uh, yeah. he recommended, I watched it on the flight out to this last round of touring, Vivarium. I showed it to you. It's you like did? a sci-fi thriller slash horror. Yeah. I brought it up, but it's, um, you can't give much away without spoiling it, but just for uh, a movie that is, it came out a couple years ago. It was a British independent film basically but it had jesse eisenberg so it's a little bit bigger budget uh it didn't do great at the box office but i mean that's also you know pandemic related and things mm-hmm. it's a trippy movie and it is so creepy and it is scary it lingers okay so if you want a very different kind of horror movie vivarium is, is a, vivarium. quite the ride if you want to watch something that's just like psychologically interesting the staircase i really liked that yeah the new one there was the documentary called the staircase and then there was the new one with colin firth and tony collette it was great. I'm just, I keep trying to, oh, a couple weeks ago, we were like, on this show, I think we were talking about this, because mm-hmm. we were talking about Tony Collette, and we are talking about her versatility. Oh, I think maybe that was in a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Anyways, because if you're listening to this, you listen to bonus episodes, Pieces of Her, that was the TV show that we were like, what was that show that Tony Collette just did, where it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, the very first episode is wild. 
Interesting and cool. Just wild. <laughs> yep. Do you want to do some shout outs or do you want me to go first? I can start. Okay, go for it, bro. I want to thank the following Annabelles for supporting what we do here, uh, helping us do so many great things, like give to cool uh, charities every month. Yeah, I like am. Like the rainbowrailroad.org charity this month. Yes, I am so happy that that's who we chose. Like, yes, we were going to choose something for Pride, but in light mm-hmm. of what happened here, it really is about making sure people are safe. Yeah, it's safe to be who the, who they want to be. Love who they want to love. Uh, Patrick Newman, angry Ewok. <laughs> that's a birth name, clearly. Hamboy, another birth name. I like it. Jackie Daniels, Craig Chapman, Lizard Richards, clearly the birth name again. Uh, Shannon Carty, uh, Reggie Neverite, uh, Chelsea, ooh, P-F-A-F-F, Pfaff? Chelsea Pfaff. 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 I, be- I bet it's Pfaff. Chelsea, I bet it's Pfaff. I bet it's Pfaff. Iatina Taylor. Or Ayatina Taylor, uh, Calvin and Jean Marie Bass, or yeah, uh, Haley Seidel, Sobi Ish- Ismail. Ishmael? There's no H. Oh. So unless it's a type, or maybe it's uh, Ishmael. Uh, Emily Davis, Tanya Hobson, Sean Shelton, Ashley T, Malswald, Charles, Devil Dog Leith, Thomas Graham, Kate Bonney, Stephen Last, Chelsea Ray, and Joshua Hopper. Very well done. I would like to thank the following Annabelles, Corey Green, Allie and Hayden Pressmuller, Dixie Normus. <laughs> Birth name. <laughs> I want you to know that when I was typing that out, I was like, oh, I love this name, Dixie. And then I said it out, I was like, my God, that is a really good one because when you look at yeah, it. Dixie and then separate Normus. Yeah, it doesn't Dixie immediately <laughs> uh, register until you say it out loud. Shadow, Andrew Hubbard, Alex Teague, David J. Baker, Brenda Wheeler, Olivia, no, I think this is a typo. I'm going to say it both ways. Olivia Bungay or Oviva Bungay. Bree Nicole, Amanda Pardo, Austin Hagman, Jackie Rios, Kiana McManus, Jennifer Miller, Evan Frazier, Jericho and his Lily, Matt and Jordan, Daniel Scott, Gianna Pocari, Daniel Ortiz, James Cregan, Darnell Martin, Jamie Fooft, and Maria Gomez Suarez. And then I have some spoopy shout outs. Love it. Yay. To Zach from Allie, Zoe, and Atticus. Happy belated Father's Day. We love you and we miss you. To Nick from Penny. Happy belated birthday. To Panda from Jellybean. <laughs> happy birthday. You're one year closer to your nerdy 30. I've never heard nerdy, nerdy 30. Nerdy 30, yeah. I only know dirty 30. To Soybean from your mom, Misa. Happy 12th birthday. I love you more than all of the stars in the sea and the boat. Uh, so cute. I love all the beans. Soybean, jelly bean. I know. To Turtle from Squirrel. <laughs> Happy birthday. Love you loads. I love that. Like, uh, I love all the random uh, nicknames. The stupid. We stupid, do it too. Like Sweet Pea or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, kizzers, I love it. Yeah. yeah, Kizzers, yeah. Uh, that is our show for this week. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. We love hearing those. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith and Liz Hernandez for their work on social media. Logan, again, for running badmagicmerch.com. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing. Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And to our book editor, Drew Atana, for polishing and preparing listener stories for book number three. I found the first story I told today, as I said, and Olivia Lee and Sarah Finch together put uh, found the second. 
Subscri- oh, fun. Subscribe, to, yeah, subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to hear and watch us. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. At Scared to Death Podcast. Uh, and there's also pics that accompany the stories episodes. Or the episodes stories. There we go. Uh, we also have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, for fun, good people who are also horror lovers. And thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating. If you don't want to hear any ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, you can check out our Patreon feed, get the entire catalog ad-free, and much more. As always, greatly appreciate the ratings and reviews. Uh, they help us find new listeners and are so appreciated. And again, let love rule. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Don't become one. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 